0: Just now from Ephesians chapter four, we read one to sixteen of this chapter, page one one seven five in the Church's uh, Bibles. <clears throat> and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, When he ascended on high, he led captives in his train and gave gifts to men. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. It was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The congregation and its unity. I was saying this morning that um, we think I was saying this morning that um, we have moved house. We've moved out of the manse. I um, remember it was last night. Which is the house belonging to the church. And we've moved into another home, house of our own. And um, a terrible thing has happened in the manse since we moved out. My son Connor is a very keen supporter of Liverpool. And in his room, there were round the walls. Many posters of Liverpool, of their great moments, which are sadly long in the past. But there they were, adorning the wall, and they were on clear display for anyone coming to visit him. We're going to get a new minister at the beginning of May, but he's already moving some of his possessions into the manse. Last week he sent Connor a text message which had a photograph on it of a different football team something or other united I, I'm not going to say the word but anyway something or other united oh uh, shame um, um, so he said in the text this is the first thing that's going into the new months <laughs> up on the wall where Liverpool used to be what do you think of that? A recipe for disunity, if ever I heard one. (laughs) But isn't it strange how some teams are called United? Ballymina, Sheffield, and that other one. Uh, I've often wondered, the people who founded the clubs and who who gave them that name, were they sort of hoping that perhaps uh, this club would be a means of bringing the people in the town together Uh, of gathering all the citizens into one? Did they hope that somehow or other it would give everybody a common purpose, the team, the united? Was it an indication that they were hoping that this would heal communities and unite them together with a common purpose? I don't really know. It's just interesting why they chose that way of describing their teams. Certainly there's something very good about being united. The Bible speaks of unity as good and desirable, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Unity is, of course, a very desirable and good thing within a town or district, within a family, within the church. It's something that needs to be maintained, something that's of great worth and value. And it's seen, of course, in the relationship of Christians to one another, um, wherever they are, whatever circumstance they're in. But it's very clearly and most clearly, I think, seen in the local congregation. So for every local congregation, unity is something to be taken seriously, it's something to be pursued earnestly, it's something to be practiced joyfully so this afternoon we want to look at what Paul says here about unity in Ephesians chapter 4 and in particular verse 3 make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace We want to notice, first of all, about this, that unity already exists. We are told that this is something we have got to produce, that in some way or other, through organization or bold leadership, we have to bring about unity within our congregation. It isn't something we can manufacture. It isn't something that we produce by a committee, or by drawing up some kind of scheme or other. And we don't have to do that because unity already exists. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. God, by his Holy Spirit, has given us this unity. He has brought it about. He has done that when he works in the hearts of every Believer, changing them, giving them new birth, drawing them to Christ, and therefore drawing them to one another. He dwells in the hearts of every believer. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So unity already exists. It is the unity of the Spirit. It already exists between those who are born again by the Spirit and indwelt by him. This unity is supernatural. There is, Paul says here, just one body and one Spirit. And all the members of that body are indwelt by the Spirit and members, therefore, one of another. This is the only unity there is. This is the only real unity there can be. The unity of the Spirit. And it's living and it's precious. So when you and I look around our fellow believers, we have got to see them in this way. We've got to keep saying to each other, we are related to one another, we belong together. A helpful book I once read, in fact, on unity within the local congregation is simply called That We Belong Together. Christians do not live in a bubble, hermetically sealed off from each other, so they don't ever touch each other. This past week I had to renew the ink cartridge on my printer. I don't know when you've ever done that, probably lots and lots of times. I absolutely hate doing it. It's pretty easy once you get the cartridge out of the packet. But getting it out of the packet, to put it mildly, is extremely dangerous. I'm always really glad I get away with all my fingers intact. I don't know what the manufacturers are trying to prove. And there's no instruction about how to open it. And I've tried various ways. I've I've got a serrated edge on my my, uh, knife, I've got a pair of scissors. I thought of trying burning it but that would probably spoil everything but it it is just it is bizarre completely sealed off the the cartridge touches nothing it has no contact with anything whatsoever but Christians are not sealed off from each other some people try to live as if that is the case they try to keep as much distance between themselves and their, their fellow members and their brethren as they possibly can and they think that's the way to avoid any difficulty or problem but we're not like that we belong together It's a famous preacher long ago called harry Ar- ironside and there's a story from getting into conversation on a train uh, and the man on the train in the carriage discovered that harry ironside was a christian preacher and he said to him soon in their conversation so what denomination do you belong to and harry ironside responded by saying, I belong to the same denomination that David belonged to. So the man said, so which one was that? And he, Harry said, well, David said that he was a companion of all those who fear God and keep his precepts. They're all my brothers. Uh, that's the unity that already exists. It already exists between us. As brothers and sisters in Christ, the unity of the Spirit. Secondly, Paul says this unity must be maintained. We can't bring it about, we don't need to bring it about because it already exists, but it isn't just left at that. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit, to maintain. The unity of the Spirit, to keep it as it ought to be and as it really does exist, make every effort to keep it as the beautiful thing which it really is. On Friday, um, Edith's sister and her husband called with us after a trip they'd been doing down the Arch Peninsula. And they had gone to the gardens of Mount Stewart house and they were telling us how, how nice the gardens were and the magnolia are in bloom and the something else was in bloom and, and it was just lovely and the big lakes there and then they walked around the gardens and they enjoyed the gardens looking at the plants and appreciating the beauty of it but of course somebody's looking after it and if there was no one maintaining the gardens of Mount Stewart, it wouldn't be very long before no one was really appreciating the beauty of it. The beauty is there, but the beauty is being maintained. Someone is keeping it in that way. And the world is to walk around and see the church and see the beauty of it in its unity of brothers and sisters together. But that beauty and the unity of believers needs to be maintained. Jesus said that this unity is a testimony pointing to Him. By this, all men will know that you are My disciples. We're to maintain the unity that's already there. If we neglect it, it may be like the gardens; it'll it'll disintegrate, it'll uh, degenerate, it'll disappear. Our calling with every fellow Christian in the local congregation is to maintain it last winter, uh, the one before this one was just ending, uh, you remember it was really, really cold weather and very frosty, icy, snowy weather and it happened over the Christmas period in particular when people were on holiday and things were closed down and and of course lots of difficulties arose pipes were frozen began to burst buildings uh, suffered as a consequence and all the maintenance men uh, were called out from their holidays to get to work and prevent any more damage caretakers had to go back into school they had to make sure that the pipes weren't freezing and all this work was going on this work of maintenance well in a way Paul says we are maintenance men And doing all we can to maintain the unity of the Spirit. So how do you do it? Do you keep your head down? Whatever you say, say nothing. Is is unity nothing more than just managing to avoid arguments? Would you say that's it? If you go into the congregation and there are no rows and there are no big heated debates... Everything's quiet and untroubled. Is that unity? No. It's far more than that. It's a beautiful thing. It's warmth and love of fellowship. It's people caring for each other, supporting each other, working with each other. It's people getting to know each other in the Lord. There is a glory about this unity. There's a beauty in it. There's a fruitfulness from it. How do we maintain it? The maintenance men went into the buildings with the clipboard and a list of, of points and they went round and had a look and checked everything and ticked them off and put a mark against them and said, this needs to be done and that needs to be done. But in unity and in the maintaining of it, we don't have a set program. A list of things that need to be checking. The maintenance of the unity in the church depends on every single believer within the fellowship. And it depends on every single believer exercising the characteristics which are mentioned at the beginning of this chapter. It depends on you and on me being As verse 2 puts it, completely humble, gentle, patient, and forbearing. That's like four streams that, that are flowing in to this beautiful lake called unity. And all of those streams must be kept open and flowing so that the lake will be healthy and fruitful. There's the stream of humility. I think there's one thing that will destroy unity more quickly than anything else, and that's pride. And whenever the unity of believers begins to crumble, it can always in one way or another be traced back to pride. To maintain this unity, we need to be humble. Now, being humble doesn't mean that you run yourself down and you say, Oh, I'm not really any good at anything, Uh, not really worth very much. But this doesn't mean that you demean yourself. It just means you remind yourself that what we have and what we are and everything we can ever accomplish is due entirely to the Lord Jesus Christ and his wonderful grace. Paul says, asks this question in 1 Corinthians 4. What do you have that you did not receive? Can you think of anything that by yourself, you have produced, by your skill, by your ability? Can you think of any gift, any characteristic that's entirely yours? It's just you have produced it. No. All is by grace. A humble person recognizes that and lives as a servant. Lord Jesus humbled himself, he took the form of a servant. That's humility. It's to develop a servant nature. And that kind of humility will certainly ensure that the unity of the Spirit remains as it ought to be within our congregation. The stream of humility flows into the lake. But then the stream that flows in next is the stream of gentleness. I hope we don't think of gentleness as something weak or soft. A gentle breeze—you hardly notice it. it; just passes you by. You could hardly—it hardly makes the flags flutter. You hardly notice it. Gentleness in the Bible is not something like that. It's something really strong. It's been called strength under control so here's the lioness lifting up her cub and her jaws are so powerful and strong that they could snap our arm in two without any problem but she lifts up her little cub in those jaws and carries the cub into the bed or into the den Strength under control. That's gentleness. The gentle believer doesn't assert himself, he doesn't insist on having his rights, he doesn't get annoyed when his point of view is not the one accepted. Though he has a good way with words and he can easily sway people and he can easily win the argument, he doesn't do that. He is gentle. The Lord Jesus is both humble and gentle. He has royal majesty and infinite power. But he is gentle. I am gentle and lowly in heart. That's it, isn't it? The stream of humility and the stream of gentleness keep flowing into this lake and keeping it healthy. And the third of the streams is the stream of patience. Make every effort, sorry, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, or long-suffering, it's sometimes called. As God is long-suffering with us, he is so patient with us, so patient, we let him down, and yet he does not lose patience with us. He doesn't abandon us when we have again, yet for another time, fall into the same mistake or the same sin. How could I be less than patient with my brothers when I experience such patience? Maybe you can be disappointed in someone and something they do. Or something they don't do. But Paul says, unity is guarded and maintained by patience. Humility, gentleness, patience. And the fourth stream that's flowing into this lake of unity is called forbearance. Bearing with one another in love. I've heard that described as taking the long view. Taking the long view. And I quite like that. I think it says a lot. Because it really is meaning that we are to look at each other as works in progress. Uh, none of us is the finished article yet. The story hasn't finished. And yet sometimes we expect more of other people than we do of ourselves. And we we let ourselves away with things which we don't let other people away with. But in every one of us, the work is still in progress, isn't it? There's a lot of polishing to be done in my life and character. There are a lot of changes to be made, a lot of rough edges that remain to be removed and rubbed off. And Paul says, "So can be, be bear with one another in love." We are maintenance men, called to maintain the unity of the spirit, and to do it by making sure that these four streams keep flowing into the big lake of unity. Finally, unity. Calls for effort. It already exists. It must be maintained. And it calls for effort. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Here's something that's worth giving yourself to, worth using up your energy to maintain. It's worthy. It's the kind of life we expect of followers of Jesus. It reflects the new family name of Christian. It's really, really worth it to make the effort. Why is that? Because unity is such a valuable thing, indispensable. The men who went out working over the holidays during the snowy period and the frosty, icy days knew it was worth it. Because people need um, their electricity, they need their water, water to keep flowing, they need heat and they need light to cook. And we are to be eager to maintain unity. Take every effort and make every effort you can. The unity of the Spirit is held as of great value by our Lord himself. In John 17, Jesus prayed that they may be one. Be eager to maintain the very thing which is pleasing to him. It's such a valuable thing. It's worth all the effort. And it's worth it also because the effects are so good. Unity produces health and harmony in the church. Paul says, keep it through the bond of peace. What a blessing to be a part of a company of people like that part of a company bound together in gospel peace. We live in a very disturbed world. We live in a very resentful kind of community in some ways. I don't know if I ever listen to some of these phone-in programs on the radio. Um, I do a little bit occasionally, even driving along in the car. Stephen Nolan or some of those boys everybody's grumpy they're always giving off moaning and muttering that's really depressing they're always muttering about something I, I find it I find I get more and more annoyed it's, it's a dangerous thing to listen to when you're driving because you get so annoyed but everybody's giving off and that's the way the world is isn't it? it's just full of resentment what a great blessing to belong to people who are characterized by peace That's how the church is to be. The unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. And the fruit which this unity produces is rich and varied. If a congregation is to be effective evangelistically, it certainly must be maintaining unity. The world will listen to the gospel when it comes from people who are clearly loving each other in Christ Jesus. And he prayed for them. He prayed that they all may be one, and he prayed that they all may be one for this great reason. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. The world will be ready to listen to the message that God sent his Son to save when it sees the unity of the Spirit. An effective evangelistic congregation is one that's united. William Hendrickson, the great commentator, says there's another reason why we should be so eager to keep the unity of the Spirit. He says it's this, because this is indispensable for winning the victory over Satan and his allies. Keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, says Hendrickson, because the devil attacks that very thing. He launches many fierce attacks at the unity of God's people. He tries in whatever way he can to sow seeds of division between them and seeds of suspicion. Because if that happens, the work of the kingdom is hindered. That's why Paul says you must not be ignorant of his devices. And one way to frustrate those schemes is to keep the unity of the Spirit. It is well worth making the effort. Well worth giving yourself to that. It's such a valuable thing. Such an indispensable thing. And such a glorious thing as it's displayed and lived out in the local congregation. And you can feel it. I don't want to get mystical, but you can feel it. And I can feel it being here and i can feel it when our own congregation's here and we spend uh whatever it is two days together there is something really exciting about the noise level and the, just looking at people sitting in little groups and the beauty of it becomes more and more apparent that's just a token of it but i know that uh, whenever our own congregation have been here for our weekend just like yours and it's, it's exactly the same there's so many similarities and uh, someone said to me one time it's kind of like a foretaste of heaven it's, it's that beauty of the unity of God's people it needs to be maintained it needs to be maintained uh, last night we were meeting the Heinemans uh, and they were sitting up at the front here and Harry was interviewing them, and uh, they looked like a really, really united couple. Uh, sometimes they have differences. Uh, and with a little difference today, um, we're talking about how, how you meet here and the differences there are between Newtonards and, and Carrickfergus Fergus. and Newtonards, they have the, the, the speaker up there beside the fire. Mm-hmm. So and everybody is sitting back here and they're looking out the windows.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and I, I
0: said to Edith you see I mean that's why nobody was listening to me they're all looking out the window it's far better this way and she said no 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 I don't think it is I think I think our way is far better because I, it doesn't distract me at all I love looking it up but I'm still listening and I'm listening uh, while watching the beauty outside so how do we better of a disagreement? <laughs> I
1: said no no I like it this way nobody's
0: looking out the window so they're all looking at the speaker but it's a very minor difference but anyway it needs to be maintained and it needs to be maintained even with the differences that all of us have from one another personality and certain views and all sorts of things but what a beautiful thing to maintain make every effort it's such a glorious thing and the glory of it is the glory of this unity is what then becomes apparent in the rest of the chapter this unity that we display as brothers and sisters in Christ, in our local congregation, brings glory to God. Because Paul goes on to say that the real unity is there between the Father and Son and Holy Spirit. The unity that is in God. And our unity in some little measure reflects that and honors him. And one of the great blessings of a weekend like this is that it's a way of expressing that unity, of strengthening and promoting it, of honouring Christ, and of bringing glory to God. Give thanks for it. We don't make it. We don't produce it. It's already there. And it's in our hearts because it's the unity of the Spirit. You're enjoying it and expressing it. And we enjoy it and we express it. But this phrase keeps coming up in our prayer meetings because it is a delicate thing. And even in the midst of enjoying it, please do not become complacent and think that it will maintain itself Because Paul says you must make every effort to maintain it. And that rests on every one of us by being humble, gentle, patient, and all those things. Let's be sure that we keep a hold of this really important word. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Amen.